Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com You know, I can create, a, you know, an automation for that and we, and we can we can go online and who knows what it's going to be in the future. But now, I mean, if you want to talk about networking and business, you know, things like LinkedIn is, is your top places now. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Brent Keogh. Welcome, Brent. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, glad to have you. So, uh, we usually start with a little bit about the journey, but I'd like to talk about where in the world are you today, Brent? I'm in Twillingate, Newfoundland. That's so. awesome. How, okay, so we, let's use that as the end destination. Tell me about your journey to get there. Where have you been around Canada? Uh, coast to coast. Uh, so I started out in Newfoundland. So uh, I'm on like one point in Newfoundland. There's another chip that's about uh, east of it. It's uh, the Monta Vista Bay area. So I grew up there. Uh, so 35 years old, grew up in the Cobb Moratorium. Uh, left like every Newfoundlander after school was done, moved to Ontario, uh, got into the nonprofit industry, and that itself took me all over Canada um, because, I mean, it's getting the message out there. And then uh, in my later career working in North America, down in the States, a lot in South, the Western Seaboard, and then uh, moving back to Newfoundland so I mean it's been a long journey along the way <laughs> um what I love about your story we we're talking about this in the green room a little bit Brent was that you actually did a lot of door-to-door -door sales yes and I can think of uh something that could be if you weren't at the right mindset uh that could be more hard on your soul <laughs> than doing that so tell me about how you got into that and a little bit more about how do you deal with something, a job or a role where, you know, you're probably hearing hundreds more no's than yeses. Yeah. So, I mean, this started, I mean, 18 years ago and um, I, I answered a newspaper ad. So for anybody out there that doesn't know what a newspaper is, um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a little ad about this big and it said wild and crazy. Can't be lazy. Must like lab music and fun. Very, um, not not a very large description of what it was so I mean I thought it was going to be events and you know get out there and coordinate and then um I do the interview and uh my my trainer his name's Joe uh took me out and he I was like so where are we going he's like we're gonna go knock on some doors I'm just like oh and uh so he came out and he's writing out this piece of paper and, and he goes to me and he's like Brent he's like have you ever heard of the law of averages and I said no and he's like Law of average state. For every no you're going to get, you're, it's going to lead you closer to a yes. I'm going to find all my no's in the beginning of the day. And he said, before lunch, he said, I'm going to get 50 no's and I'll buy you lunch. And he said, you're going to track it. So I got excited from day one on taking no's. And he, I didn't get my lunch because we didn't get 50 no's before lunch. But most people came home in the afternoon. But like that life lesson was something that even after 18 years, I always said, hmm. 
like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm always going to get a yes. and I'm always going to get a no. And I know that I'm going to get more no's and I'm going to get my yeses. So if I'm not positive when that yes comes along, that yes is not going to root for me. That yes is seeing that I'm not putting the effort into what I'm doing. And I'm not selling myself at that point. It and sounds like Joe taught you how to gamify sales. Yeah. Long that no's damage. were a good thing. Yeah, it was. And it always has been because no's built resilience. It was one of those, it's, I tell people, I was like, you took the no, but do you understand why you got the no? Mm. Like, was it like, did you ask, did you ask for the no? Like people, people always ask for the yes. And I'm like, well, ask for the no. If you know it's a no, then ask for it. Because you, what's more valuable than getting the no? And they're like, what's that? And they're like, what? And I'm like, more time. <laughs> I was like, because when I used to knock on doors, I had a time limit on how many doors I can knock on and like, not how many doors I can knock on, but how much time I had out there. We couldn't knock on doors at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be able to maximize on that time efficiency and yeah, gamification before the apps came out. Yeah, it was, it was big for us. And that was, it's always been a motivation. Uh, it was the fact that I want to get my nose out of the way. And that mentality that I had was always positive towards the nose. So what do you think when I knocked on their door, they were thinking, were they thinking that I was getting all nose? I don't think they were thinking about that at no. all. They weren't. So they're more likely to say yes, because in the impulse world, it's a thing called the Jones effect, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. So if they assume everybody's doing it in the neighborhood, they're going to do it. But if your mentality is negative and they know that you're getting no's out there, they're just going to contribute to the cause. I think it's fascinating because it feels like you, in one morning, this guy set you up for a sales career for the rest of your life in a way that is totally like you look at sales so differently than a lot of people do. Cause I think a lot of people attach the no as something against themselves. Personally, they're saying no to me, yeah. not what I'm selling. They're saying no to me. Do you feel like that sometimes or. You've got to be your own critic in sales. It's, it's one of the things it's, it's being aware that if, if I said something that, overstepped the line and I know that I overstepped the line, then I got to reflect on that. Right. The other person might not know that, but I know it at the end of the day, I, I, I had an interview talking about the difference between, you know, influencing and, or empathy and, and emotional selling. And, you know, your, your empathy is, you know, you see the problem, you, you face it together, you work towards it. Emotional selling is, oh, I can exploit this person. Right. I know this person is impulsive by this way, so I can do this and I can trigger that emotional or that uh, impulsive behavior to be able to get the outcome that I want. And that's been something that, you know, has killed a lot of the door to door industry because, you know, you had vacuum salesmen out there selling vacuum cleaners 600 percent more than what it was on the market. But there was no computers back then. So people didn't know the difference. That's so interesting. Um so the interesting piece is that you now kind of do sales online, right? So you, you are, um, you and I met through LinkedIn, right? So yes. tell me about how you transitioned from door to door. Did that happen? Were you already on the path of going into the digital age before COVID hit? Because obviously COVID, there's no door to door. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, yes. what, when did that transition start for you? 
Uh, that was about seven years ago. So I was 10 years into the door-to-door -door world and um, they put a tablet in my hand. And at that point, I knew that the, the charity world was going to be taken into the, the online world. And I worked a lot in the charity world. But um, when, I, when I transitioned, I got that call for a tech startup company to be able to work in the online world and work with businesses. So I was doing this business to consumer out there. And now we went business to business. And um, as somebody that worked, you know, in commission for a long time, you know, performance base, it, you know, to be able to work in the business business world, it was that next step in the entrepreneurial ship. It was understanding how businesses think now, not just how the yeah. community thinks, but how everybody else thinks. And uh, businesses are a driving force to a lot of the communities out there. They're keeping them alive, especially areas like this. So I want to find out what the big problems were with that. And it was building a business network. So I was understanding how to build business networks, you know, for the last seven years, and then realizing that with COVID happening, everybody was transitioning into the online world, whether they liked it or not. And, uh, but we were already working with Zoom and we were working online before this happened. So we were almost preparing for it. It was, it was inevitable that the online world was, because everybody's time is so precious now that this is easier to do than you know, having to say, okay, all four of us are going to hop in a car right now. All five of us are going to hop in a car right now. And we're going to drive, you know, all different areas of, of the island or, or wherever we are in the world. And we're going to meet each other for coffee. So I don't know about you, but I got pretty good coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Coffee at home is good. Um, yeah. And so do you feel like the skill set? Um, that you require for B2B and B2C is the same? Or have you had to gain different skill set as a result of that shift in your market? Um, in a way, like when we used to talk about things like overcoming objections in sales, I mean, there's only three different, there's only three ways people don't buy things. It's time, money, or if they like you or not. That's it. Money, time, or trust. And so if if you can break down, you know, the cost of what it is and you can make it affordable for somebody, people can do it. Whether they're a consumer, you know, that's working for a business or a business owner itself, it's just the business owners faced with a different level of problems, right? Like they're not just dealing with, you know, I got to pay the bills. Now, you know, I've got to pay the bills, deal with the employees, you know, I don't take a day off and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's, it's being able to take that problem and magnify it and still realize that yeah, there's still a solution to this problem, right? So we're just got to get down to the root of it. And the problem with businesses is, you know, in sales, I had to get past the money aspect to be able to see the problem in people. If all I saw was how much money I can make off you in that sale, then I'm not, you're not going to see that I care about you. You're not going to see that I'm aware of what your problems are and how I can solve them and how we can move forward together. That's an amazing uh, comment there. I feel like, yeah, I think being paid is a byproduct of helping people. It is. I mean, yeah. we were always taught growing up, you know, you help people if they need help. You don't ask for anything in return. You, you help people. Um, and, you know, I, I've always given up free advice. I mean, especially in sales. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that I talked about and, you know, trained with people over the years, People, I, I, it still surprises me that people don't know this stuff, you know, because I, I've said it to so many people, um, but it was, it, but it was taught to me. And, and that was the thing. It was, I always believe that this information should be passed down and, you know, it should be easier for the next generation. I don't want, 
my kids in the future knocking on a hundred doors they're not going to yeah right you know i can create a you know an automation for that and we and we can we can go online and who knows what it's going to be in the future but now i mean if you want to talk about networking and business you know things like linkedin is is your top places now it's you know everybody's there who who isn't on linkedin right and if you're not get on there it's it's great (laughs) Right. It's not your social, it's not your typical social platform. It's, it's, it's for business owners like us, you know, and yeah, I want to, because I think LinkedIn is is an area where you've really focused your time and attention on. So Mm -hmm. is LinkedIn like just a big old, everyone, there's a whole bunch of doors there that you're knocking (laughs) on? (laughs) Yeah. uh, In, in the world right now, there's about 750 million of them. Um, And in my career, my first 10 years, I'll give you a hindsight. So we, knocked on doors six days a week so about 310 320 days a year depending on how it was 100 people a day 10 years do the math that's yeah. 310,000 320,000 before I jumped into the business to business world there's 750 million but <laughs> I'll never I'll never run out of doors I'll no. never you'll never run out of doors you'll never run out of doors nobody will ever run out of doors but you're not knocking on doors in minus 25 degree weather or plus 45 degree weather in the humidity or you know rain season in in cal in um um, bc it's it's a different it's a different world and it's it's more welcoming so those 18 to 25 year olds uh, you know that are out there come on guys i'll I'll train you on linkedin let's let's go um the interesting piece is you actually know who's behind the door too you know stuff about them we do. Well, most importantly, LinkedIn is all built around your network and your secondary and your tertiary connections. So when when you connect with me, you connect with my network as well. So when you've got 50 people that you have mutual connections with, you second guess if you know the person or not. Even if you never met the person before, you're like, I should know this person. I must have met them before. So you're, you're thinking to yourself, I got to get to know this person more. So you go onto my website, you go into my Facebook, you, you get to know me a little bit more, but you've done more on LinkedIn because of that action than you've ever done on my Facebook page, on my Instagram page, on my YouTube page. You don't check my stuff, but LinkedIn, you always bound to do it because it's business owners helping business owners. And that's the message that was always built around it. And you're putting your, everything on your LinkedIn because you realize that's your portal to your Facebook, like your Facebook, your website, your uh, your business page. But I have access to it now. And I can see it and I can read it and I can get to know you and I can build that relationship with you directly and indirectly and see where your problems are without even talking to you about them. And, you know, when that conversation comes up in the future, I'm prepared for it. Right. I, um, I also am interested in, I've dabbled in... Um, navigator so linkedin navigator you know this souped up version that they um where they get all their money from me i guess <laughs> how how do you use navigator how do you recommend it be used like give me some give me the skinny on navigator so with that when i talk about 750 million results it's a lot it's a lot for people to wrap their heads around it's a scary number I want to be able to take that list. And if I say, if, if my ideal target market is somebody that has 500 plus employees, I can target that on LinkedIn. If I want to target just a C-level executive or an owner or partner of LinkedIn, of, of their business, I can tackle it. So that way I can bypass the, 
the assistant manager, the receptionist, the, all the gatekeepers you know, are gone. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember when I went down to the States and talking to a couple of corporate America salespeople, they had to go up this chain to get to the to the decision maker. LinkedIn eliminates this. It allows me to get right to the decision maker and allows me to have a direct communication with them. And while I'm doing that, whether if they're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if I'm chatting with them on LinkedIn, they're going onto my profile and I can see that they're viewing my profile. And if I know that they're viewing my profile and I can see in my, in my numbers that, you know, oh, my website views went up three or four in the last day. And I noticed that there's three or four profile views on my LinkedIn. You can put two and two together, you know, and if they're going there, what's the chances that it's going to turn into a sale as long as you maintain that relationship? How do you maintain your relationship? So you have, you know, you reach out, you do the first, maybe you have a coffee, maybe they say yes. If not, how do you nurture and warm them up to having a conversation? How do you do that? A lot of it does happen on LinkedIn itself. So um, there's a lot of things happening in the background on my profile and on my partner Leslie's profile as well. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of likes on people's stuff, a lot of view profiles. So in sales, we used to call them touch points, connect points. So mm -hmm. um, 80% of your sales happen within your eighth to 12th touch point online. That, that was back in the door-to-door -door days. Online, you're looking at about 16 to 25. Mm. So, but every profile view that you're doing or every like that you're doing, it's getting them back to looking at your profile. It's getting them back to looking at your website, right? And then before you know it, they're messaging you back being like, you know what? I got this problem, right? Or, you know what? I, I re we thought about this six months ago. I mean, we, we still get meetings that, you know, we send out a message a year ago. And they're messaging us back because we're always constantly touching them. Hi, how are you? And they're saying, I'm ready for this. But <laughs> if that didn't happen, what's the chances that somebody else that does something similar to me is doing the same thing? Right? Yeah. Like, because everybody out there is, is still selling their services. They're still selling their product. And if you're not front of mind to that person when that problem arises, and that's why I always say about door to door, Two and a hundred people would say yes to me Two, right? Because I'm going out there and I'm taking a shot in the dark. Yeah. But if I know that as a marketing person, that I know that all the analytical people don't like to do marketing, I'm targeting the marketing guys on LinkedIn and Leslie's targeting, you know, the, the oh, sorry, I'm targeting analytical people. Leslie's targeting the marketing people for bookkeeping. Um, so it, it allows us to be able to focus on our wheelhouses and be able to, at, at the end of the day, focus on making sure that we do what we do best and the people that we're working with, they do what they do best. Right. right. So, yeah. um, I think, uh, that's so important. What, where are your thoughts on? So in the, in the, it seems there was this whole period of time this year that I would get all these invites on, uh, to, to be uh, friends with someone on LinkedIn and I knew it was automated. I knew that they hadn't uh, done any research on me, that it was just this big, uh, let's call it the shotgun approach as opposed to the rifle approach. Like there was, you know, anyway. Uh, so I, it really turned me off. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do we, how do we do what we do in terms of reaching out and meeting new people 
without using or without being too generic. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I think that's what the problem was. You could recognize immediately that that um, that this is a generic automated response piece. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is when when you talk about LinkedIn from a broad perspective, if you try to target everybody, you're going to be spammy. You're going to be salesy. If you know exactly who your ideal target market is, industry, you know, the, 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 the level of seniority that the person has to be in the company, how much revenue they make a year, how, what their body count is for the amount of employees that they have in the company, what area that they live in, there's always a difference between working with somebody locally. If I'm talking to a business owner that's an hour away from me, I can book a meeting quicker with them because they're in my neighborhood right? Versus somebody in Halifax. But if I know that I'm, you know, working with a bunch of people in Halifax, because a lot of people in marketing, it's not as good, you know, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to say, hey, I've been looking at how marketing has been going in Halifax or Dartmouth over the last five years. And, you know, I want to help a lot of businesses out with getting their name out there and, and really pushing out and making an impact. I'd love to talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And not sell it, but more like, hey, I noticed there's a problem in this market here and I want to start solving this. Right. Do you, have you seen it before? And most people will. Most people will see the same problem that they're facing and say, yeah, actually I am. Right. And you'll still get your nose mm -hmm. like everything else. But if you if I know what your problem is and I start messaging you and, and I'm targeting that problem, would you be more likely to respond to me and, and accept my connection request and engage with me? Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's that's the thing about business. It's if you could target the, the the problem right on the head, people will stop for a second. Yeah. So the question then is, what extra information are you getting on Navigator that I can't get on my regular LinkedIn? Well, functionality. Well, the thing is, is it's it's being able to create those search results um, that you can't typically create on regular LinkedIn. Um, it's targeting the owner itself it's targeting like how much they're making a year as revenue it, I, i've had a lot of people that you talk to in sales with their building their pipelines to say hey you know i'm targeting people and they can't afford it and i say well you know how many employees do they have are you tar targeting solarpreneurs are you targeting 110 you know and they said well i'm targeting solarpreneurs i'm like you think a solarpreneur has money as like if they had money they'd hire a bunch of people wouldn't they like, you know, and if they're hiring a bunch of people, they have to spend more money, right? Like, so, but, so it, it's, it's going, it's going from like showing them exactly where the problem is. It's, I remember as a solopreneur starting out, it's like, even though I know how to make money, it's still new, right? I'm still, I'm still dealing with a different situation. So it's kind of like, you know, I know I need it, but I don't need to hear you right now. Right. So sales is like that. It's if people... If I know that the person doesn't want to listen to me, I'm not going to talk right. to them, right? And, and on LinkedIn, it's you can create this big broad list, but it's taking it from you know a million people and bringing it down to three thousand. And that three thousand people—that's what I want to target. Nice. You know, and then yeah. I was gonna uh, shift gears just a little because I mean. LinkedIn, LinkedIn is awesome. And I really like where you're going with some of the tips you've given us there and shift a little bit into, um, uh, we talked a bit about your favorite book. Can you talk about that book uh, and why you like it? Um, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. 
Um, fantastic book, Dr. Travis Bradbury. Um, if anybody gets a chance, follow his work, check him out on LinkedIn. He's got some great blogs. Um, it's more of a journey than a book for me. Uh, so one thing about sales is the ability to be self-aware. And, you know, when you're training a bunch of people, especially in different markets across the world, you deal with a number of different walks of life. And it's being aware that everybody's different. It's it, knocking on doors. Everybody, it's not about me. It's about the grand part of it. And if I'm aware of how you are and how you are, Melanie, and how you are, uh, Christina and Kelsey, um, then I they can see that I care about them. They can see that, you know, I'm there for the greater good rather than just the own personal agenda. And because of that, people are a lot more open to have conversations and not feel like they're being judged, you know? And, and that's a big thing about sales was that I had to get over was the fact that, are they judging me? You know, like, you know, do I, should I keep doing this? You know, I mean, I probably sat on the side of the sidewalk in my door-to-door career saying, why am I doing this? Why, like, why do I, why do I keep taking the no? Cause there was that one person that just said something really bad. And, um, but I said, you know, I don't have to go home with this person at the end of the day, you know, they're not paying, like, I don't, I don't have to deal with this person. So why, why am I, why am I giving up something that I'm so passionate about, you know, because of that. And, and that's, that's a big thing about business is if you're not, if you're not focused on the passion and the, and the, and the bottom line and that big why, then, you know, why are you doing it? You know, shift your gear and, and, and take on the focus, but there's always that gut instinct saying that, you know, what I'm doing is something that everybody's doing, whether they admit it or not, we're all salespeople. Yeah. As business owners or, you know, people of life trying to get to that next point. And, you know, if, if I can address that and, and be aware of that and teach people to be aware of that, then it's not going to be as scary. You know, having conversations with people was something we were taught since we were kids, you know, that the, the have conversations and, and now it's, it's more important. So, you know, if, if we're aware of, you know, how our emotions can affect other people and how our actions can affect, you know, things around us, then we start thinking differently. And then when we think differently, other people start seeing that and then they start acting accordingly, right? Or thinking their way or being skeptical of it, however it is, but it's all part of the, the grand part, you know, of life. <laughs> So um, you and your partner have mm -hmm. built a business together. Have you, is there any unique challenges you've run into with working with your partner? Uh, well, I mean, she's the boss. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, like, that's, that's the best one thing. It's like, I'll, I'll, in my sales career, I was, I was taught like the, the follow those rules, and, but I was never an entrepreneur, like, you know, taking in sales. Mm. It was always like, I was one part of the cog to the big machine. Right. And she was an entrepreneur when I met her mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I was still a sales professional, you know, in my, in my, in my prime. And she's the one that, you know, said like, there's, there's really no difference between the two. It's just, you know, you've got extra steps as an entrepreneur. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, I was used to working 16 hours a day, six days a week. So, you know, I can do this. And, um, you know, and then COVID happened. So it's kind of pushed right into it. And then, you know, we, we just work really well together. It's, you know, she's very analytical. I'm very creative and it just like, it, it's a great mix between us. And, 
you know, and, and she likes to travel like I do. So it's, it's enjoying that work-life balance and, you know, and still saying it's not just work, it's not just work. And, you know, I've met a lot of couples in their lives that have split up because work consumed them mm. and they never enjoyed their life. And, you know, and I'm going to turn my camera for a second just for jealousy purpose, but, you know, you can enjoy your life, guys, out there. Absolutely. No, Twingate <laughs> is a beautiful, beautiful place. But one of the things we did talk about, too, is that you're you're building a business that you can run from anywhere. Yes. Um, when we were in Calgary, we uh, we wanted to try to see if we can work from the road. And we went out to Tofino and uh, my, my partner's never been out to Vancouver Island. And uh, so I, I remember we were at this little local coffee shop in Tofino and we were, we we're finishing up our interviews and and we look at Leslie and I was like, well, we got we got four hours we can spare right now. So what do you want to do? You want to go surfing? And uh, she's like, yeah. So we go up the street and we like rid like we rid the the surfing gear and we went out surf first time and wonderful experience. This is in March, <laughs> in March in the Pacific Ocean. Um, but I never done it before. And then after we're done, we have two more interviews, we uh, uh, meetings we have to do, and then we're done for the day. But you know, that's a memory that if I had to think a different way, I would never have surfed. Mm. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been surfing. We would not have had this conversation. And that was, that was a big win for us was saying, wow, like as long as we got Wi-Fi, as long as we have internet, we can do this anywhere. And it's almost like, you know, cause we were living in big cities and when you work with large clients, we, we work with clients in Toronto and in Phoenix and, and all over North America. And, you know, I remember how hard it was to get on a plane and, and go see some of these people and, spend two, three days in a hotel. And, you know, now we laugh about it. I'd be like, don't you, don't you dare, don't you dare. But no, we're not going to meet each other face to face. No, no, I'll charge you a lot of money. <laughs> so, uh, because I think I understand what their time value is as well, you know, and I want them to get there. If they're not there is to be able to enjoy that life and, and, and hold it precious because, yeah, it, it gets me more excited to work with more people when I'm more excited about my life. Interesting. You know? yeah. And if I'm not, if I'm not excited about it, then I don't want to get excited about other people having a better life. <laughs> um, one of the things you're doing, uh, you and Leslie, are, is building this mastermind group. Tell me about that and what is the need it's filling? So... I've worked a lot in networking over the years. So getting into the business to business world, I, I've met a lot of different networking groups and it was uh, the biggest challenge that I ever faced was they all were all face to face. And if I had to travel out to British Columbia and my networking chapter was in, you know, Alberta or Ontario, and I couldn't miss a meeting, mm. then I, I'm all of a sudden I'm limited to what I can do as a business owner. I feel like I'm penalized because I, I'm expanding my my reach and when it all went online and I started seeing online networking groups I was like this is where the chain is getting broken here but it's still being able to understand that you know if if you're networking there it's not just hey I'm here to take you know leads and not contribute towards a cause it's about growing something together and addressing all the problems and 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 that's if, if we talk about you know bookkeeping I mean, who here is creative right? and who here hates bookkeeping? Like 
or, you know, who here is a marketing person and doesn't want to touch bookkeeping? Like nobody, we, we address the elephants in a room. And the thing about mastermind groups, and I, I've noticed is people talk about the broad picture of networking, but we don't get right down to the core of the problem. And if, if bookkeeping is not your problem, what is, is it administration? Okay, let's tackle that. Is it sales? Let's tackle that. Is it marketing? Let's tackle that. Is it your big picture? Is it your why? Is it your, like, what is it? So there's training and networking that's going on in your mastermind. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, it's educating business owners to be aware that, Hey, your time is valuable and what you're spending your resources on, like, are you putting the most efficiency into your business by doing this? And it's bringing other industry leaders, you know, so not just myself as a LinkedIn professional, but, you know, Leslie working with, you know, things like QuickBooks online, you know, some people, everybody knows QuickBooks, right? Who really likes to sit down and do QuickBooks, but some people have to, to learn it, to be able to train somebody in the future to do it, right? And if you're not learning it and you're oblivious to it and you give some, it to somebody and they're oblivious to it, and they start working on it. What do you think it's going to be outcome in the future? Bleak. It's 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 not. It, it is. It's it's going to be a hard thing for CRA is coming after you, right? In the future. So it's it's being able to sit down with all of these business owners that know these problems all exist, but really sit down and tackle them one by one until they're all addressed and holding each other accountable to it, including okay. myself. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not education, networking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It seems like that there's a lot of masterminds going on these days. And I think it's because we are looking for connection too, as well. We are, we are drawn towards each other. Everybody is. We, we, yeah. we, we are, we are um, social creatures, social creatures. And um, if you're, if you're not, putting yourself out there like that, then that's going to be your biggest struggle as a business owner is, is, is putting yourself out there. Now, LinkedIn and my, my partner, she's not as outgoing as I am. She's very outgoing, but like not as outgoing as I am. And she's been using LinkedIn before I've been using it. So, you know, you have that's an issue. That's, that's why she's the boss. That's why she's the boss. Yeah, that's exactly it. She got me to shoot. I probably would still be knocking on doors. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to open up for questions, Brent. And I know Melanie has one. So I'm going to bring her, if you can unmute yourself, Melanie. Um, Hi, Brent. Wow. Interesting story. Many stories, actually. Um, I guess I always am curious of somebody like yourself who has such experience in a level of professionalism in sales that has a lot of misconceptions within the profession. I know as like people being sold to, we have our own like Herb Tarlick, oh, sales kind of thing. But I'm curious to ask you and and, and when you work with business owners and businesses, what do you feel is like the biggest stumbling block or misconception about sales? I know you touched on some of them, like you need to be targeted, but are there any that maybe you feel are, are kind of hidden that, you know, that you haven't touched on yet that you can share with us? Yeah. So in my sales career, it, we were taught in my first day, the five steps to a pitch and five steps to a pitch was introduction, short story, presentation, close and rehash. 
So your introduction part was always about relating. It was always about building that, like that, that connection between you and them. Because as I mentioned about overcoming objections, the number one reason why people don't buy is trust. Yeah. The, like the big, the big reason, right? Money and time can be overcome very easily. Um, step two short story is about qualifying questions, open-ended questions, being able to engage with the, the customer to be able to find out if there is a problem. And if there isn't a problem, it's being able to stop and not do the rest of the three, which is presenting what your product is based on what your findings are and being able to draw the solution to the problem that we've already pulled out of the person. And then closing based on the fact that you can see in their body language that they're agreeing and that they're receptive and they're not, you know, they're not agreeing with you just because they're agreeing with you. They're agreeing with you because they've recognized that you've hit the problem right on the head. And that's a big thing about sales misconception is, is a lot of sales professionals out there aren't aware that you have to ask the questions to be able to find out if they're interested or not. And then asking for the no, if they aren't and being able to be aware of it. And people, if you've got a new person out there, it's like somebody new in training at Tim Hortons, you know that they're not going to get it right all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you've, you, but when you're knocking on doors, you don't know if I've been 10 years in the business or two days in the business knocking on doors. And if I'm two days in the business, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to try to sell you because all I want to do is go for the punchline as a comedian. I want to go for the punchline, but I'm training these people out there back then to not go for the punchline and engage with them. And, and then over time, they, they're not getting as many people slamming the door in their face and, and yelling at them because they're a pushy salesperson, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, people choose whether they want to be pushy or not. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as a small business owner, you do get different advice from different personality types. And sometimes you can adopt, and I know this from when I was teaching too, sometimes you can adopt something that appears to work from somebody, for somebody else. You can try it and it just doesn't feel right, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's really good advice and it works for that person. But, you know, like, for example, I was on a, on a call with an excellent sales coach and I learned a lot. So this is not saying anything about her. She was fantastic. But she's like, well, is there, we went through a role play and, you know, we do online. We have a, a sign up online for a small business clients. And she said, is there anything that would prevent you in the role play? I said, OK, well, great. You know, I'll I'll follow up. I'll send you a link. And she said, well, is there anything that would prevent you from just opening it up and filling it in for them? And I'm like, everything inside me went, oh, can I do that? And she was right, because it is something I've had to work on about because I'm very, I can chat forever. But like, you know, you do have to guide the discussion, right? You have to keep it focused. So but I and then my next sales call, I'm like, it just didn't feel right. I couldn't. No. And the it, person signed up anyway. It wasn't that like they signed up after. So, yeah. Well, perception's reality. That's the thing. It's, it's, do, you can't, you don't know what the person's thinking. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's, the only thing is, is you can see the problem that they're facing like yeah. everybody else is facing. Yeah. And yeah. if you see that they're reacting the same way that other people are reacting to that same problem, then yeah. you can see that there's going to be a similar outcome. Now, mm -hmm. there's always an outlier where you can assume that, everything is going perfect and it gets right down to the close and the person says yeah i don't make a decision no matter what no i gotta sleep on it for 12 hours no matter what no i don't care what you say 
Like, and we could have had the greatest conversation in the world. Yeah. Nope, doesn't matter. 12 hours. And at that point as a sales professional, I know that they have a firm value and a firm moral compass about them that they're going to stick to this and that's it. I'm not going to change them. So yeah. that, as at that point, I always used to compare the two goats, right? Just ready to hit each other, right? And he's ready. <laughs> he's ready for me. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, not a problem. Yeah, I'll give you a call in 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. No worries, right? Because at the end, of, you know, I know that he's ready for it, right? Yeah. I'm not. I don't want it anymore, you know? So, but if I was 21-year-old Brent, you know, in sales, yeah, I'd take more, you know, push on it. But if, if I know that my ideal client is somebody that's easy, easy going, they're open to talk about the problems with me. You know, we, we felt like we've known each other for years, even if it's the first or second conversation, that's the client that I want to work with. That's the client that I'll sit down with. And I, and I don't care if I close them or not, I'll build friendships with them over the course of six months, a year, two years, 10 years, doesn't matter. Right. And because I genuinely care about that person's well-being and about their future. And I want to see where they're going to be in the future and their business, because it's a place that I'm going to visit in the future. It's a place I'm going to write off as a, as the business expense while we go for coffee and <laughs> in, Tofino. But, <laughs> in Tofino, exactly. But, but talking about that stuff and people, people can get behind that because people are aware that they want to build those more connections and, and they know that, I'm not going to stop doing that. I'm not going to stop building those connections. Yeah. And, building, and, and, and yeah. I want people to be surrounded by that because it's going to build a success. Well, situation. the other thing, Brian, it, it plays into your other part too, is that they may say no, but you don't know who they're talking to about that will then say yes to you. Yep. Right? Oh, referrals. I mean, I've yeah. had a lot of people. I, I've had people that have been longtime friends, but will probably never be a client. And I'm completely okay with that. But best referral partner in the world best referral partners in the world because they are on your side they're friends they're, they're they're your friends and friends work with your word of mouth and referral it's out there right it's like linkedin if if you see that we have 50 connections and i get off the phone with you after a linkedin call what's the chances that any of them that you know face to face that you'll message them up and be like hey do you know this brent guy maybe not today maybe not tomorrow maybe not six months from now but there'll be some kind of conference that'll happen and they'll say, you know, how do you know Brent? How have you met Brent before? And, yeah. you know, and I want them to say, oh, yeah, I met Brent six months ago. And, you know, we, we've been talking ever since. That gives you much more confidence to be able to call them up when you have a problem and be like, I can rely on Brent because, you know, the people that he networks with that I know, they speak highly of him, you know, and, and, and that's what's going to eliminate a lot of your problems as a sales professional as an, an entrepreneur is by putting yourself out there, but not towards the money driven side of it, but towards, you know, Hey, I want to make it better. I want to, you know, I want to get to know everybody and I want to build those relationships. And if you know? we were to circle back a little bit too, you referenced it earlier too, Brent is knowing your why and your passion. Yes. I have found when I know that, and I believe so strongly in what I'm doing, I know that I'm in the right place that what I'm talking about, I'm not just, I'm not trying to sell you sneakers that you don't need. I'm trying to sell you something or at least give you the opportunity to realize that this exists yeah. and it's good for you. And I'm quite passionate about it. hundred percent. And people can see it too. And, and, you know, I say this about sales. I say, 
I said, we were taught to read people for a living. I said, but do you don't think they don't read us too? It's like, you don't think people read us as well? Like, you know, don't be oblivious to that. Like once you're aware of that, it's you, people can see you and you know, like when they turn their head or, you know, if, 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 or if the raised eyebrow happens, it's, you know, be aware of that and, and being able to be like, hmm, do I need to shift gear right now and have, you know, and, and start asking different questions or, you know, do I just cut the cord right now and it's, it's done because the person isn't going to listen to the next words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, they, they're saying no already. Hey, Christina, yeah. unmute yourself and. Uh, Thank you, Melanie, for the, mess, uh, the question as well. Hi, Brent. Hi, Hi everybody. Uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom today, Brent. Um, my question is, is around what Wendy just mentioned about your story and your passion. Um, so, you know, you, you can be passionate about something, but also not know the words that will appeal to your customers. For example, the, the, the business that I'm running is, so is one I'm very passionate about. I've been running it for a year now. And I still don't, you know, I was at a gathering last night um, and, and somebody said, we were talking about the business. They asked a question and they said, well, what, do you, what, do, what is it that you're really good at? And I, was, I froze. I, was, I'm, I still was like, what is that language? I mean, I gave an answer, but I, I guess my question is, do you have, short of hiring somebody with a much bigger brain than me, do you have a way where entrepreneurs can get out of their own way and find the language um that will entice or grab people because right now i feel my language is very generic remove the anxiety remove, you know um i've got to flip it yeah i've got to so i'm wondering if you have any suggestions 100 percent. and this one and this one involves like getting out of the comfort zone and and i don't it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are we all have some level of comfort zone pitch yourself in the mirror just get in the mirror and just and and and, and pitch yourself and look at your oh, facial expressions and good yeah like just, just like really and when you're done with your pitch i want you to critique yourself i want you to be like what i buy from me and 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 if it's not find out what the why is behind it was you know did i believe the voice like when i was having cuz i mean conversation is words and and there's a very small portion of the conversation right? I train myself on things like tonality, right? To be able to fluctuate my words up and down. Now, it took me a lot of years to be able to be aware that tonality is a big part of the pitch and then training myself for years to use that tonality and then not being aware that I do it. Like the, the, the mm. subconsciously do it. And, but a pitch is a conversation that happens over and over and over and over and over and over, yes. and over again, in different yes. ways, but like <laughs> everybody has similar person. I mean, there's a book, there's, there's a, um, a test that there are 16 personalities, right? There's only 16 personality types out there. So oh, it all falls within those same realms. So if you can train yourself to work with all those different people and take those objections, those common objections that you hear at your, in your meetings, take them, write them all down, pitch yourself in the mirror and then overcome those objections and then feel if you believe it. And if you don't believe it, find the answer to it from your industry leaders out there because there's people out there that have the same problems that you're having out there and the same 
I call it, it the verbal diarrhea. It's trying to get all the words out and, and it, but it's, it just comes across as, and, and then what happens is you you start going and then you, in your brain, you're like, this is not going well. And then yeah. it goes worse because, yeah. because then your confidence shakes. Yeah. And so then you're like, I am a loser and my company sucks. Like <laughs> I can walk away with that. Which, which it doesn't really though. No, it does. No, that. it doesn't. I know, but in that moment, that. right? <laughs> so but that's the thing it's practicing it it you know it's it's like bookkeeping like leslie had me sitting down doing spreadsheets and i'm the worst person for it but if she she shows me the proper way and i'm doing it long enough i get in the group right yes yeah with conversations if if all i'm doing is talking to people every single day and i tell people that are having a hard time selling go out and talk to 50 people today what you have a hard time selling, go out and talk to 50 people today. Get to know them, build a relationship with them. Like 10 friends. 10 Where do you friends do that? How do you do that? What, what do you mean? Go to the mall and just, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, there's LinkedIn now. You can go out there and, and send out connection requests, send out a message and, and have a conversation with them, book a meeting with them. Book a, that's how Wendy and I met, right? Like, right. you know, like, like don't, don't be afraid to put yourself out. There's always somebody that wants to have a conversation with you, Christina. You just don't know it. You just haven't got out there and, and said hi to them right I'm, I am a really interesting person it's okay and I think I agree yes, with you, you. I think there are lots of people who would want to chat with me uh yeah it's you just, like you just have to ask them Christina yes right okay so those are two awesome practical suggestions get in the mirror mm -hmm. and then critique yourself yep. and just put yourself out there and and those are awesome I was afraid you were going to go into the find your why and which i've no. done simple I really like I'm, simple uh, okay. i i i'm a newfoundlander awesome. i'm a i'm a simple person and, and if i can't complicate the process that that i was taught i can't i can't put medical words into conversation it's you know it, it's yeah. simple and it'll work right yeah you'll come back to me six months from now christina and it and if i tell you have you done this and done this and you said yes and I say, what's your success rate? It'll be better than what you said now. Woohoo. Okay, Thanks. we're gonna take one final question from Melanie. Bring it in, girl. You have to mute yourself. Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I just got super jazzed about all of that. And I think uh, if it's more of a, a little bit of a question and also just relating back to what you said, I loved what you said on the trust piece. And the introduction is about the getting to know the other person. A lot of times I think we think we have to just, we have this, we have to get what we do out there, what we can do to help. So I think drawing that in, when you're getting to know the other person, you're picking up their language. So, and I know I'm super passionate about Christina's business. <laughs> I'm so psyched that she's doing what she's doing. Um, it's gonna help so many families. Uh, navigate the education system and, and the stresses on that it causes with the family and the kids. But I think that it, that you, how often do you coach? So there's the question piece about that customer discovery piece and, and helping not just the introduction, but like beyond that as a marketer, as a business owner, like talk to your happy clients, you know, get their language, get that recorded and listen to it when you're doing those intros refer back to the language they use. Is that a big part of how you coach people as well? Yeah, it's, uh, 
at the end of the day, people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. I mean, that's always been the, that, that, like, that's been something that's been a foundation in, in my, my sales career. And teaching other people that it's, if, if you know, and everybody knows that, if you know, like, and trust somebody, you're going to buy from them, right? It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So if you know that in your heart, then why are you pitching people? The, the service that you believe in so much, right? Rather than doing that pitch, it's getting to know who they are as a person, like, and, and really caring, like leaning into them and, and making sure that like they're taking care because in sales for myself, I, I, I don't have to worry when the next sale comes in, right? I don't, I don't want to ever worry. I don't want to ever worry about that money thing. And everybody worries about it. It's always that elephant in the room that everybody faces, but if we can set that elephant apart, the room becomes a lot more wider. It becomes a lot more comfortable. And when it becomes a lot more comfortable, people can actually sit down and have a real conversation. And, you know, sometimes you have conversation with salespeople that don't feel real. They just feel like it's going through emotion. It's just, and that's, and that's, the thing that, that's the thing where as a sales professional, if the person has enough of uh, an emotional awareness that I can sit down with them and critique them, I'll sit down with them and be like, hey, you're giving off an impression right now that that is is turning me off as a consumer and i just want you to be aware of that right and if i can make that so that their path is a lot easier in the future good good like i i, I hope your path is successful in life but um if you don't if you're not thinking like that people see it you know and people will not people will not lean into you they want and like it's it, like there's there's no I'll, I'll say what a lot of people will think on that on that topic it's you know because i want i won't buy from people that i don't like right i'll say yeah i'll think about it but i'll walk away and say no i think about it as the kiss of death my friend i would rather have a yes or a no um <laughs> so brent how do people get a hold of you you guys can check out our website, thefullprismgroup.com, T-H-E-F-U-L-L-P-R-I-S-M group, G-R-O-U-P.com. Or we are launching our Coast to Coast Connect network at the end of the month, coasttocoastconnect.com. Check it out. Um, it's, it's something that is long in the making. Uh, Leslie pushed me, like really pushed me to be like, you know what? You've been in networks all of your life, all your career. It's time we build them. And, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited for this. Love to have you guys all here as well. Um, many, many conversations we need to have about a lot of different topics. And if you guys, uh, if we all get behind it, it's, it's going to make all of our lives a lot easier as business owners and as people. And I you guess know. they could also link in with you, right? Check <laughs> us out on LinkedIn. Brent <laughs> and Leslie McEwen. Um, I'd love for you guys to, to add me. Um, let's have a long conversation, guys. Awesome. Um, you know. Well, I want to thank you so much. We learned so much today. And I think the real bottom line here today is collect your nose with pride. 100%. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.